0: with more happiness and prosperity through his master in the game of life podcast and books paul also helps people to get their own inspirational messages and powerful stories out into the world as well as being involved in supporting many charitable organizations in their development fundraising and projects
1: Hello, listeners, and welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode, where today I'm joined by a lady from London in the United Kingdom, a lady by the name of Carol Spears. Carol, a very, very warm welcome to you.
2: Thank you very much indeed, and thank you for the invitation.
1: And, um... According to your bio, uh, Carol, you're described as a British entrepreneur, public speaker, author and best known for your work in stress management, counselling and employee well-being. Wow. There's, There's quite a lot in there, isn't there, in terms of helping people's lives get better?
2: Yes, I, I started. <clears throat> excuse me. I started working in the field. I mean, my background is in counselling and psychology, so I'm a trained therapist, and I see people who are experiencing stress, who are experiencing anxiety or post-trauma. Uh, mainly working in industry, mainly working with organisations who provide counseling for their employees. And as an organisation which I established in 1987, which was in the very, very early days of establishing a stress management organisation, uh, established that and the aim was to provide employee counseling to the businesses together with helping businesses to reduce stress and to improve health and well-being and build their resilience. Well, the same words are relevant today, even more so today, probably Paul, than ever before, because of what we're going through.
1: Mm, absolutely. So that nicely leads us in, Carol, to uh, a couple of really what might appear to be really simple, basic, but really, really much needed questions. And that, what is stress, and why is it important for us to manage it? Right.
2: Okay. Stress is excessive pressure. A lot of people think that stress is good for them well it's not what is good for them is pressure pressure is what you can manage pressure is what you can cook is what you can cope with and pressure gets you know to act you can thrive on pressure it gets you up in the morning it motivates you (coughs) excuse me so pressure is good for us what's not good for us is too much what was not good for us is too much pressure so so the pressure we can manage is within our control when it gets to the point of being outside of our control that then becomes stressed which is not good for us and is recognized in all sorts of ways it could be not sleeping night at night it could be being irritable it could be switching off it could be that you're working too hard all sorts of ways it just comes, you know, the effects of stress is not good for us. And that's what we have to look out for and make sure we do something about it. When we recognise some of those warning signs, actually take action and do something about it.
1: Mm. So that, yet again, Carol, you know, reinforces that second half of the, the double question of, why is, i mean it might seem so obvious but i never like to think it's obvious or presume anything certainly not for the uh, the benefit of our listeners why is it important for us to manage this whether it's pressure excess pressure stress why is it important
2: it's very important to manage our pressure so that it doesn't become stress because we want to work at optimum efficiency. We want to work at optimum performance. We want to manage our lives. We want to manage everything that's going on within ourselves. <clears throat> but nevertheless, when it gets to the point of that stress zone, we're out of control. We can't manage it. We're experiencing anxiety. You know, at the moment, we have uncertainty around us that brings about its own stressors, and it really does so therefore we want to be able to have the ability to manage our lives sufficiently with the pressure going on in our lives. And we all spend time, you know, juggling different balls in the air, uh, trying to balance our lives. Well, we have to manage that work-life balance, uh, our lives and our balance at home and our work as well, very efficiently in order to get that balance that we need.
1: Hmm. I want to take a little bit step back in time, Carol, Um Certainly when I, was, um, when I was a youngster, there was a word that was brought to my attention. didn't quite understand what it was at that early age. But it was in the context of, say, doctors and nurses and teachers. And I think that's probably, as best I can recollect, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, when I heard this word and it stuck with me. And it says teachers and doctors and, and nurses, they don't do a job. They follow a, a vocation. And it struck me, Carol, doing some research around obviously the, you know, the crucial work that, that you do, that what you're doing is actually a vocation. How does that sit with you? I mean, is that something you can resonate with? Is it something that somebody can do just as an inverted commas job? You know, teach people about stress management. It's so much more than that, surely.
2: It is more than that. I mean, you asked me, if it, is it a vocation? The answer to that one very simply is yes, it is in many ways. Yes, we have a business. We have a stress consultancy. But nevertheless it is what it is a part of my belief system i am passionate about helping people to reduce stress and build resilience uh, because that really is key to all of our lives because there are stressors out there and so therefore we have to do our very best to manage those stressors um, and therefore so therefore is it is it a passion yes it is a passion of mine it's very much I'm. I'm. Dedi- you know. I'm really dedicated my life over the years to ensure that the people who can't speak up for themselves, who can't, who are experiencing excessive pressure, which equals stress, experiencing stress, making sure that we can actually provide services for them that help them and support them. Because not everybody can find that inner strength and resilience in order to manage their daily lives. So therefore, in answer to your question, Paul, yes, in many ways, it is a vocation. I have been working in this field now for countless years. And when people sometimes say to you, well, in years to come, Carol, are you gonna retire? And I say, you know, I can't retire from my life's work. It's what I do. It's who I am. is right inside of me. So whether I'm a therapist or whether I'm a trainer or whether I'm a public speaker, it's all the same. People get the same words from me, whether I'm offering to speak at a presentation for a charity or offering to speak to a large corporate. They'll still get that same energy, passion and belief and sense of purpose that I very strongly have.
1: Wow. And the energy is coming through loud and clear, Carol, in your voice, loud and clear, which... Yeah, again, very nicely segues into this question. What's your personal big why around this, well, this vocation? What, what, why, Carol? Why?
2: Why? It's an interesting one, actually. Paul can say is that you don't know why, how is it part of my DNA? I don't know. I have been working for you know for organisations and charities for countless. I head up my own. I head up a stress and mental health charity myself called the International Stress Management Association. So even with the, the the voluntary work that I do, it's very much along the lines as of helping and supporting. I have been, I was a Samaritan for 21 years, and uh, so therefore was working with people at the end of the telephone, at the end of a crisis line. Um, I have worked out in war zones over the years and supported uh, humanitarian aid workers who are providing support to refugees. So yeah, I live, eat and breathe it. And uh, everybody who knows me knows that's who I am. So it's not difficult to know who I am. It's very, it's, very, it's very specific. It's very focused. It's about being able to speak up, as I said, for other people who can't do it for themselves and provide help and support. Not all myself. I have a very wide network of people and organizations with whom I connect with and uh, so from there i'm very good at connecting i'm a a, a, i am an entrepreneur as you describe me i am a, a networker i connect people with people we all need to help each other and particularly as we are now which is April the 1st, 2020, going through COVID-19, particularly now, more than ever before, we need to actually have those collaborations, make sure we have those connections, and keep in contact with our, with each other, because now, more than ever before, we truly need that.
1: Carol, isn't it interesting that uh, over the years, how things change, um, if I can just be allowed to give a, a short example of a simple four-letter word for me, hope, and how that's changed dramatically from, say, two or three months ago, where I was aware of the word, and it had a certain kind of attraction, whereas now, boy, has that word got some real meaning. So from your very diverse and long-standing experience, Carol, within the, the priceless work you do, what, what, how have things changed? I mean, okay, let's, let's focus on the hope word. How has hope changed for you? Has it got any significance in the work that you do?
2: I think hope forms a very big part in all of our lives. I think we all need to have that. And I think now, probably more than ever before, 1st of April, 2020, <clears throat> and going through the, the pandemic that we are, I think we need to hold on to our positive words. And I see hope as a positive word. Hope uh, is, you know, and those are the kind of, the word optimistic, the word positive itself. Um, positive mindset attitude. These are the kind of words which we do need to hold onto because particularly at times of crisis, which is where we are at the moment, particularly at those times, we need to look for what is the learning and what is the hope and what is the understanding that comes out of this crisis because we will come out of it in due course, whether it's three, six, nine, doesn't matter how many months or years away, we will come out of it. But what's going to be important What is going to be really important is to actually find out and to work out for ourselves is to learn from the experience. Maybe we learn we don't like being isolated. Maybe we learn I can manage being isolated. Maybe maybe I can learn about it's important to be positive. Maybe I'd learn it's important to maintain that feeling and sense of hope around us. And maybe it's important to be optimistic about the future because those kinds of words will be important for us to actually have to hold onto for ourselves. And they're important for now. But when, when you're in a crisis situation, you need to come out of, try and come out of where you are and look to the future. What is the future going to be? What's the future going to give? Because we look around us and it's really, it is so traumatic. Whoever thought would be in this situation. So you have to hold on to the word hope and think to yourself, actually, I do have that belief, I do have that hope that we're going to learn of, of over what's happened over the last months and months. We're going to take our learning from that experience, and hopefully it's going to make a difference in the future.
1: Mm. as a stress consultant, Carol. You were seeing, you literally stressed at the sharp end, what is actually going on in today's world? I mean, this is not just around COVID-19, is it? It's In fact, it's, it's far from just being around that. I mean, you know, by your own insights and shares so far, Carol, you, you know, you've been doing this a long time. What is really going on in our lives?
2: I think there's a whole mixture of emotions, a whole mixture of thoughts, feelings, concerns, anxieties, um, and thoughts for the future. I think we're going through a whole range of emotions. Some people can manage where where they are at the moment, some people cannot and finding it very stressful. Some people can deal with uncertainty and change, which we as human beings don't normally like, and other people see uncertainty and change or see change as an opportunity. The thing is, Paul, is that everybody is completely different, and people will manage in different ways, and they will manage what it is their ha, ha, their daily activity. Some people will manage living in isolation with their families or by themselves. It's it is going to be different for everybody. Every single person is going to be different, so there are going to be different needs from each individual. Some of those people will need help, and some people will need help and support. Other people say, "I'm absolutely fine." You know, part of my role is to actually help and support mental health first aiders and helping them to support their employees. Well, the most important thing is, is that for people to be able to speak up and to speak out when they are feeling stressed or they're feeling anxious, not to look at it as a sign of weakness, not to look at it as a black mark against me, but to look at it and say, yes, actually, I don't feel so good. Now, that could be to your partner. At home have a conversation it could be to your boss when you're doing a zoom call with them but it's really there still is a stigma there still is even though we're doing our best to reduce the stigma there still is a stigma that relates to it you know that you know that actually the stigma about stress and mental health this it's still there so it's going to be there for a long while to come. So even though there are people such as myself and many other people such as myself <clears throat> who are campaigning, who are doing their best to campaign uh, to remove that stigma or to reduce, let's be reality, let's have reality here, to reduce the stigma, nevertheless, it's going to be a point where it is still going to be there. So we're probably in a better place to where we were Three years ago, five years ago, 15 years ago. I understand that. Because when I set up the business Paul, in, in 87, I talked about stress and mental health. And people say, oh, can't use the word mental health, Carol. No, no, can't use that word. And I said, Well, just I'm going to use it. We have been using it as a consultancy. We've been using it for the past since 1987. And we also use the word mental well being, employee well being. those words all those years ago were really like bit off the wall there were a few consultants who were talking about them uh, but overall that message has now really moved on enormously now we do talk about mental health now we do talk about employee well-being now we will talk about stress so we're talking but you know say we have still got a long way to go this is a campaign and it's very simple you need to maintain Effort, support, and to those other people as well that need encouragement to get people on board this campaign, because this train is 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 chugging along nicely, but you have to get on it in order to be a part of it. So today there are more people than ever who are supporting people with mental people with mental health problems. But I'm going to repeat it: we have still got a long way to go.
1: Really reinforces that V word. Carol, doesn't it that vocation that you know that whole acceptance, that understanding, that responsibility that we're in this together. There isn't no, you know, there shouldn't be, and I'm using that should word, but you know, there's no judgment attached to this because one of the uh, people that I follow is Brené Brown, the American psychologist, and her work around vulnerability, and it's that acceptance again, isn't it? That you know we can all wear the mask for survival, boy, did I, I wore it for decades for decades and but the reality is to quote Brené Brown our strength is the acceptance of our vulnerability and i think you know that's only one small part of it obviously it doesn't even scratch or begin to scratch the surface carol but it is around this this togetherness and this i can't get away from the word acceptance of Do you know what? We're human beings. And by definition, you know, what what the world might label as vulnerable, fallible, whatever those labels are, that's fine. But I need to feel fine. And that's more important than any word. I mean, how does that sit with you?
2: No, I think that the greatest strength is our acceptance of our vulnerability is very apt. It's exactly what we're saying. But to get people to get to that point is easier said than done. They Mm. are great words. And those great words are wise words, they're sound words. We need to have that as a part of our belief system. So therefore, if you look at the fact that they are words, you know, our greatest strength is our acceptance of vulnerability. Yes, we'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree that. But hang on, do you know, there's something far deeper in that than just saying, yeah, yeah, I agree with that, is actually... Enabling people to to actually speak up about that vulnerability is not easy, particularly if they're working in an organization who doesn't necessarily, you know, isn't necessarily uh, demonstrating a healthy workplace culture. And as far as they're concerned, everybody has to work really, really hard. Just get on with it. We're not interested if you've got a problem. Just turn up, rock up, do your work and go home. If people feel, that they are a number and they don't feel valued and worthwhile, then even if they feel vulnerable, they will not say anything. However, if an employee who is feeling vulnerable is working in what I regard as a healthy workplace culture, where the organisation will offer listening, who value listening uh, as a as a as, as a skill set, uh, uh, give provide people an opportunity to. Think about how they're feeling, what they're doing, how they're managing. Give opportunity for them to actually feel that they, can, that they are worthwhile, that they are not just a number, but they are recognized for who they are and what they do. And also thank them, dare I say and thank them for what they're doing on a daily basis. That person will feel valued, recognized, and feel that they're making a contribution into the business. So at that point, then if they have that, and that's the kind of culture that you're bringing about, that is a healthy workplace culture. If that is endemic in your business, that healthy workplace culture, then the chances are, coming back to the word vulnerability, the chances are you'll be able to put your hand up and say, do you know what I'm saying, Paul, I've got a problem, can I speak to you? and that's a part of the culture of the organization for the people to actually then appreciate it's actually good to talk, it's good to listen to other people because they will feel that sense of recognition, value and importance within their community, that I mean the working community. So to shortcut that, if you're feeling vulnerable and you're working in an organization that doesn't value that as important, then and you do, They may not be the right person job fit. If you need an organization who will listen to you, value who you are, and to actually value the importance of speaking and talking and listening and waiting long enough for a response, then the chances are you'll feel able to say, I've got a problem. And the person to whom you're speaking will say some very simple words. Those very, very simple words are, how can I help you? five words. How can I help you? And wait long enough for an answer. Rather than say, hello, how are you? Everybody's fine. No, hello, how are you? Fine. It all becomes that like one sentence. It's meaningless. It's, it's a courtesy. But to actually say to somebody, how are you? And to wait long enough for a reply is meaningful. And so many people do not know how to use silences in their conversation, and they don't do that. But if you have somebody who is feeling vulnerable, so coming back to your word vulnerability, somebody who's feeling vulnerable, you should be able to give them the time and the space in order to share how they are feeling. Not necessarily to give them answers, but to listen. As I mentioned to you before, Beneson was a Samaritan for 21 years. We were in the listening business. Was it a business? Yes, it was a business. We didn't earn any money. But nevertheless, that business, that organization was set up in 1953 as a listening service. Now in 2020, let's state stamp But it, Yes, it's 2020. It is still going as a valuable organization, which is still available 24-7. I have the greatest respect for the organization and the people who work within it. Are they talking to vulnerable people? Of course they are so vulnerable people sometimes and not always know where to go and the Samaritans is one place but it could be a vulnerable person will speak to you will speak to a colleague speak to a friend because they feel accepted so within all of that they've come up with the words of acceptance and vulnerability
1: wow okay as we come to a close, Carol, I, I want to ask you one big question, as I always do. Um, it's a sort of sign-off signature with guests. So, But I want to park that momentarily, if I may. And... I want to ask you to share your contact details, how people can reach out for, you know, to to connect with you, find out more about the invaluable, priceless work you do. So what are those contact details, Carol, please?
2: Okay. well, let's let's just go with the charity first. The Stress and Mental Health charity is called the International Stress Management Association. Its website details are ISMA dot org dot uk says isma dot org dot uk if people want to contact us as a business and to find out how we can help them to reduce stress build resilience and improve employee health and well-being then they'll get go on to our corporate site which is carol spears group that's c-a-r-o-l-e spears s-p-i-e-r-s group dot co dot uk and the last website to give you if i may is my speaker site if anybody would like to speak to me about me presenting to their organization maybe it's a zoom conference at the moment but in future it may not be zoom it may be face to face yet again then i have a speaker site which is www.carolspears.co.uk
1: superb thank you carol thank you for that share Right, okay, the big question. So what I like to do by way of a sign-off, Carol, is is the the proverbial elevator scenario. So me and you have met in a four-year hotel or whatever it is, And we're going up to the next level. So we've exchanged pleasantries. Hello, Carol, Paul, blah, blah, blah. And we have 30 seconds because I pose you a question. Carol, that's fascinating what you do. Okay, by the time this lift gets to the next floor, 30 seconds, one minute tops. Carol, tell me, please, what's that one big thing that can help me in my life under this broad banner, this massive banner called stress management? What would that be, Carol?
2: OK, we're in that lift. I say my name is Carol Spears. I'm a business stress consultant. I help organisations to to reduce stress, build resilience and improve health and well-being of their employees in order that they can improve the, their performance and productivity.
1: OK, now that tells me great. And that's a very, very succinct, powerful, punchy personal um, profile. Yeah, pitch. Great. I've got that. Great Carol, but Carol, my life's a mess and 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 I'm intrigued because you've said two words to me that's really got me hooked stress management, Carol, give me something to cling to, please, in thirty seconds. <laughs>
2: okay i think it is everybody experiences stress we need to be able to recognize the warning signs of stress and once you've recognized the warning signs of stress to actually do something about it look at your health and lifestyle look at your work-life balance look at how you communicate with people and build relationships and actually have the capability to ask for help when you need it
1: Superb, thank you. Love the bit you said about relationships. So key in our lives, isn't it? And we tend to just take them for granted. Carol, thank you once again immensely for the share, the wisdom, the experience, the passion that's coming through, the undoubted vocation that you're embroiled in. Sincere gratitude, Carol, and long may your work continue.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Paul. It's been a great pleasure.
1: So, listeners, there we have it. Carol Spears from London in the United Kingdom. And all that remains for me to say now is remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts.
0: Thanks very much for listening to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. If you found it interesting and helpful, drop a line to Paul via paul at paul-low.com with any thoughts or questions you may have He'd love to hear from you and he'd be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at www.paullow.com. Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts.